friends. Welcome to Silo Busting. I'm your host, Toby Bartorf, Head of Client Engagement at EPAM Continuum. Today, we're going to spend some time with Ellie Feldman, EPAM's CTO of Advanced Technology, and Chris Michaud, VP and Head of EPAM Continuum's Innovation Practice, exploring the dynamic between a few of our ways of working. But first, let's start where they start and admit that there are words that we use a lot where we don't always even agree about what they mean. Words and phrases like agile, innovation, experiment, fail fast. Beyond that, we must talk about one of the inevitable trade-offs of our work. It's about finding the right balance between, on the one hand, building something in a fast and adaptive way, and on the other, setting out on an intentional and visionary path. These are two distinct imperatives. First, to move quickly into unfamiliar territory and then read, respond, and adapt to conditions continually as we understand them better. Second, to understand people's needs deeply and understand exactly where the opportunity lies for a breakthrough idea. As Chris and Ellie discuss, of course, the methods are philosophically aligned because the right answer is never one or the other. It's some of both to build the right thing and prove its value as quickly as possible. Over to you guys. Hi, Ellie. How are you doing today? Hey, Chris. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. So... I think they brought us together for us to, to have a little bit of a discussion, maybe even a little bit of debate about um, about agile and and that method that methodology and divergent convergent methodologies and and how they all fit together for for innovation. Um, so maybe before we jump into some questions and and some discussion, um, we can start with some some definitions on innovation and agile. They're they're both they're both big loaded words these days. Uh, so. I'll share mine on innovation, and then and then um, would love to hear your yours on agile. Yeah, that would be great. Excellent. So on the on the innovation side, you know, I I actually try to keep it pretty simple. I I see innovation is it's the act of bringing a new idea out into the market, out into the world, and that idea creates value, it creates impact. I I think if it's not a new idea, and if it's not out in the market or out in the world. And if it doesn't create impact, then it's not innovation. So that's, that's how I think of it. Um, feel free, by the way, to <laughs> share a different opinion. Um, and then I'd love to hear your, your point of view on Agile. It's actually quite consistent with Agile uh, altogether. I mean, Agile is like based on the manifesto, the basic stuff, not really going into, into methodologies too much, but on, on the manifesto. It's about all delivering sort of working products, working software, working capabilities uh, that are addressing customer needs as fast as possible, uh, responding to change as fast as possible, and essentially focusing on individuals and interactions and uh, actual uh, results rather than uh, anything else that would uh, be involved in delivering capabilities, be it bureaucracy or documentation or anything else that that is often sort of plaguing uh, a delivery process. That makes a lot of sense. Um, when when I hear 
us talk about about agile uh, you know the first one of the first things that come to mind for me is just the 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 approach of a of a sprint and the speed at which we we strive to deliver that work and you and I have had some good discussions over the years about um the the speed of sprints and the benefits of sprints and then some of the per, at least perceived uh points of view about divergent convergent takes a lot of time um how do you think about the a sprint culture and a divergent um convergent well i shouldn't say culture a sprint methodology and a divergent convergent methodology um do you see them coming together in your work conceptually at least uh, it's it's quite consistent um it's all about in divergent right figuring out that we're doing the right thing and uh in convergent essentially getting that thing done mm. right getting that thing delivered to the customers which is very consistent uh with the agile uh way of doing things and sprints in that sense or iterations or whatever else is sort of used to uh measure and um a unit of work uh within agile process uh it's just that way of quickly measuring quickly learning from what we are doing in the essentially the divergent stage uh meaning having an idea having a concept defined in the divergent stage and then through the convergent stage implementing that into the customers getting feedback from them learning fast failing fast uh whatever whatever is more applicable in that particular case and essentially getting through the cycles of divergent convergent uh, uh methodology that, that's a really great uh, explanation of it. Um, I I often think about divergent convergent um, methodologies being being really effective and really powerful when we're we're trying to deeply understand a problem or we're trying to reframe a problem in a, in a new way that provides us foundation to to have some some new ideas and and the kind of the sparks of innovation, if you will, um, and. And I and I I'm confident to using that methodology in the early stages, and as we get clarity on the problem we're trying to solve, that that's when I get more confident on um, evolving into more of a sprint approach. And I kind of simplify it to say, you know, sprinting is is really powerful when you know where you're going, mm-hmm. and and you really want to try to sprint in as direct a line as possible. So, you know, just, just there's a reason why we call it a sprint, and sprints consume a tremendous amount of energy um, in a short period of time. So I've always, I've always thought of it that way. I'd love to hear if you have a different point of view um, on it, or if you would challenge any of that thinking on, on from where I start from. I'm actually less concerned about uh, sort of the mechanics of the sprint. Again, like all of that uh, stuff that we invented to, uh, to measure, manage, run sprints and stuff like that, uh, that was essentially built to um, create consistency into the process, uh, which by in, in the purest sense, in a sense, maybe a little bit contradictory to the agile spirit in the first place. Because again, it's not about the process. It's about delivering capabilities to the customer in the shortest uh, time possible or useful capabilities to the customer in, in the shortest time uh, possible. And, in that sense, uh, I 
always think about uh, the problems in sort of divergent convergent, especially on the divergent side, is how many of the ideas of the thesis of the concepts that are we are generating during the convergent um, phase, let's put it this way, uh, what is the percent, percentage of them that are really even um, possibly might succeed, right? And the problem becomes if during the divergent stage, a uh, vast majority of the ideas are um, are false ideas, uh, are things that are very likely not to work, then spending cycles on proving that is a problem. But there is the flip side of that. If we don't uh, spend time on proving these this ideas, then we don't even know whether they fail or not. So the question becomes, how do we pack and very quickly uh, figure out whether these ideas essentially fail fast or learn fast uh, from this uh, this stage uh, on this myriad of ideas that are being generated uh, do, during the divergent stage and not necessarily immediately shifting every idea into the convergent stage. Yeah, it's um, I'll, I'll have a build on that. I, I think even before you get into the idea generation uh, cycle, like where, where you're starting to idea ideas, I think that divergent conversion is, is perhaps most powerful in, in defining the problem um, or reframing the problem. And we were involved in, in the, um, the invention of Swiffer, which, which I think is you know, definitely a, a big innovation. And it's an easy one to use as, as an example for, for what I mean. Um, it, to your point, if, if you just focused on lots of ideas and tried to push them into the converge and, and see what tested well and what didn't, one, I don't even think the original ideas for Swiffer would have even gotten into that cycle, even if that funnel was really, really wide. Um, but maybe they would have. And, but if they did, they absolutely would have failed the first round of of, of testing, of assessment. They actually did. <laughs> they did fail the first round of testing with consumers because um, they were just so fundamentally different from what was being done. And And the only reason that Swiffer really came to life is because the team had done the the early work reframing the problem, really understanding the problem. And the easiest way for me to, to maybe illustrate what I'm talking about is if we had started that problem, which is like a quit sprint, like let's let's come up with a hundred ideas on new ways to clean floors. You know, that's that's actually pretty easy. You know, we've got some really creative, talented people here at EPAM who who can fill a whiteboard in a couple hours um, without an issue. The challenge is without really having a reframe on the problem, the only ideas that are going to make any sense to you are the ones that are more most um, near to the existing solution. Like a better way to ring the mop is, is what everybody was doing at that time. If someone had sketched on the whiteboard, you know, <laughs> uh, a paper napkin on a stick or, or a squirt gun with a diaper, which is essentially what the Swiffer wet jet is, um, that would never get the executive sponsorship that was required to get Swiffer out into the market. Cause there's no reason to believe that that's a compelling idea. And, and, you know, I wish I could show our audience um, some of the early sketches because that's literally what they looked like. And the only reason we then invested in the effort to sprint and bring those to life and test them is because we 
deeply understood some of the fundamental problems with with cleaning uh, and where today's solutions, you know, the, the, the sorry, yesterday's solutions really were, were struggling. So I, I like a lot what you said about the challenges of, of not just trying to push ideas into the convergent funnel, like being more mindful of what are the most compelling ideas. Um, and I think even the stage before that, being really mindful of where, you know, where do good ideas come from? They come from a, a creatively well-framed problem statement, frankly. Um, so anyway, that, that's just my point of view. I want to come back to something else you hit on that's near and dear to my heart, which is you said both learning fast and failing fast. And, and I believe in them both, by the way. Um, I think they're incredibly important parts of both convergent diversion and, and agile uh, methodologies. The thing I wanted to ask you about is in, in some of my experience, basically like corporations that have kind of grown up in a way that for a while with Six Sigma and just a push towards, towards optimization, like failure was, became a really dirty word. Um, career limiting moves. Right. And so for a while, a lot of, uh, of organizations have been putting a lot of concerted effort to make, you know, failure, not such a taboo thing, but rather something that the organization celebrates, um, recognizing it's a part of innovation. I think sometimes the emphasis on the failing is over indexed over really what, you know, what you want to do is learn. And you mentioned both like fail fast, which is all about like, you know, test early and learn fast, which is really the point of running, running experiment is learning from it. Have you seen that in your, in your career as well, Ali, or do you have a different point of view on it? I think the difference is actually quite fundamental. The, the, the main difference between the two and really fail fast and learn fast has to work in conjunction. But when we see, learn fast as part of quote-unquote innovation programs um, being used exclusively without fail fast, the main question that you have is, okay, you have this million of ideas and you're learning from them. So what? What do you actually get from all this learning? Fail fast, the component of fail fast, uh, especially in software engineering, um, is all about, okay, I implemented that capability, I understand it's a failure. I want to minimize any subsequent effort on the failure. Therefore, the fail fast aspect, the fast aspect, is I will stop focusing on that. If it's proven, if that thesis is proven to be false, I immediately, or as fast as possible at least, stop focusing on that and instead refocus my efforts on other stuff. Whereas if you use squarely the learning fast approach, you don't really know that you need to stop. You can continue learning, right? (laughs) It's not working. Okay, we'll continue learning. We'll continue experimenting. We'll continue sort of changing this and that. I mean, the classic sort of uh, redrawing buttons or like changing colors and stuff like that. We'll continue doing that. In fail fast mindset, that's not going to happen because you would say, hey, this is not working. Stop wasting resources. Stop wasting money on it. Stop wasting people and and sort of their uh, valuable time on it. Let's go to the next idea. Let's experiment on that. 
let's learn from it and fail that as fast as possible. So again, we can actually shift to the ideas that might work. I love that. I love that. And uh, maybe I'll take that as an opportunity. I think it's a good place for us to maybe wrap. And I'm actually going to give a bit of a plug to a colleague of mine over at um, Harvard Business School, Stefan Tomke, who um, just recently released a new book called Experimentation Works, The Surprising Power of Business Experiments. And in that that book, um, Stefan refers to a bad experiment as one where you learn nothing. And and I think you definitely said that, like that, you know, that would be a bad experiment. But you also part of what you're pushing for is um, that practical side of it can't all be experiments, right? We we are driving towards having real impact in the marketplace. Um, so I, th- I think it's a really it was a nice way that you framed it. And uh, maybe we can wrap up our conversation today if, if people want to learn a little bit more about experimentation and and failing fast and learning fast, I definitely would recommend taking a look at Stefan, uh, his book. Yep. Ellie, thank you for the time today. It's always a pleasure to connect with you. Absolutely. Thank you, Chris. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting, focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. At EPAM Continuum, we're very deliberate about the term innovation. For us, it means turning ideas into stuff that's real. Because from our perspective, ideas aren't really innovative until they exist. Thanks to Chris and Ellie for their thoughtful conversation. Appreciations to our ever-agile producer, Ken Gordon, and to our engineers, Kip Palalas and Matt Furmeister, for finding smart ways to innovate at the soundboard. I'm your host, Toby Bottorf, signing off. Till next time.